Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! What's going on, guys? Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, December 10th, 2020. I am Graham Giason Matthews, as always, being joined by the one, the only, the illustrious Mr. Marceau. RJ, welcome back to the show, brother. How are you? I'm doing well, GSM. How are you? Doing excellent. We're coming off a pretty stacked week in wrestling with one of the most hyped episodes of Dynamite in some time, and we are recording this on early Thursday. So as of right now, just to let people know, we do not know the ratings for the show. There's a lot of talk, and again, this is going to be irrelevant within, like, six hours or so by the time we're recording this. Um, but I may as well ask you now, just to get out of the way, do you think last night's heavily hyped episode of AEW Dynamite with everything they advertised, from Sting speaking, the Shaq appearance, the six-man tag team match with Lucha Bros and Lance Archer versus Eddie Kingston, Butcher and Blade, um, the Dynamite Diamond Ring match between MJF and Orange Cassidy, do you think all of that was enough to break a million viewers after last night's heavily buzz show? Uh, I'll say yeah. I say at least last night I'll definitely probably crack a mill. Um, even opposed by NXT, you think so? I'm I'm gonna say no because I'm gonna the, say yeah. Just because there's so much like there's st- obviously now that they have the Sting, they have the Omega stuff. I think the Sting, Shaq, and Omega stuff would be enough to pull in a million at least for this week. I don't think I'll continue after what they saw last night. I don't think. I don't know. I feel like it's one of those things like the first time they hype it up. They might get a million, but I think it probably after that, they probably won again. We'll see. We'll see. I would love to see him crack a million. I think that would be the first time since being opposed by NXT. And I'm, I feel like I'm wrong on that because... Um, oh, no, I'm definitely wrong, actually, because they were opposed by NXT for that first episode, and they cracked like 1.4 million uh, for that first Wednesday show back in October of 2019. So it has happened before, but obviously that was their first episode. That was a little different. But they advertised quite a bit. They, they pretty much advertised the entire episode in advance in terms of everything that was on the show, from promos to segments to appearances to matches and everything else. So we'll get into Dynamite at the end of the show. We have a lot of WWE stuff to get to first, including TakeOver War Games, the fourth installment from Sunday. What I thought was a great show, and not even the best TakeOver of the year. And that's saying a lot, because we've had a lot of great TakeOvers and a lot of great NXT-related moments this year, as well as AEW and the WWE main roster and stuff like that. Um, Which, by the way, you can vote right now, as RJ is, at this exact same moment. Are you done voting, RJ, or no? Are you still going? There's so many questions, though. I'm not done yet. Yeah, there's a lot of questions. More now than... I got three left. Three left. Three Three left. left. Okay, well, take your time. Think each option over. There's a lot of choices. And this year, if you noticed, there's not... I think I used to do six options for each poll. Now there's eight. Because we're doing not just the WWE main roster, not just NXT, but also AEW. The funny thing is, I, I don't know if I've... I mean, you've probably heard me talk about this before, RJ. When I first started doing the year in review awards, the first year I did it was actually 2013. That year, NXT wasn't an option because NXT wasn't really started yet, but it was WWE and TNA. 
And then, yep. <laughs> then, like, a year later, obviously, TNA died out. No one gave a shit by, about TNA, even at that point, I don't think. If I, if I went back and looked at the results and whatnot, the, the results and ratings and whatnot would probably reflect that. I don't think a single TNA person won that entire poll, so I just ditched the TNA portion of that. They have not been involved in it since. Um, I don't think Kenny Omega appearing on Impact is enough to get me to include Impact in the year in review awards again um, this past week. But AEW is now included, so people can go ahead and vote on those. RJ is doing it right now. We'll go on over to WrestleRant.com and vote in the 2020 WWE slash NXT slash AEW year in review awards. And Mr. Marceau is writing down his you know, what he voted for here, because in, what, two, three weeks, actually, I think, yeah, in three weeks, we're going to be breaking down the winners of each poll right here on WrestleRant Radio for the New Year's Eve episode of the show, December 31st, the polls close at midnight on December 30th, so Mr. Marceau is smart, he's getting out of the way now, when the clock bleeds from the, what is it, I think, Tuesday into Wednesday, the 29th into the 30th, that is when the polls close. So get all your votes in now. We will discuss them at the end of the month for the 2020 Year in Review Awards. Also on WrestleRant.com is where you can check out full episodes of this show, WrestleRant Radio. In addition to WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, uh, Podbean Radio or Podbean, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, all that other great stuff like I mentioned earlier, Google Play. Um, new episodes every single Thursday. We've had a stack show every single week for the last couple of weeks now. Because it feels like we had full gear predictions, full gear review. We had Survivor Series predictions, Survivor Series review. Takeover predictions, takeover review. And now next week we have TLC predictions. And the week after that we have a TLC review. And then on the 31st it's going to be, um, like I said, the year in review awards uh, results revealing. So uh, stay tuned for that in the weeks to come. But again, like I said, we have a lot to get to here today from last night's heavily hyped episode of Dynamite. We have Monday Night Raw from Monday, which feels like a complete afterthought, you know, right now considering just what's going on. NXT and Dynamite are, are putting out some of their better content in quite some time, and Raw is still Monday Night Raw, so we'll kind of wedge that in there between the Dynamite stuff and the NXT stuff. But we'll start with TakeOver from last Sunday, which I thought, again, was a very good show overall, and not even the best TakeOver of the year. <clears throat> it was a five-match card. You had two War Games matches, a strap match, an NXT North American Championship match, and a hard-hitting affair between Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa. So, uh, before we get into it, Mr. Marceau, what were your overall impressions of TakeOver War Games 4 from this past Sunday? Well, it was a good show. Um, it wasn't too long. That's always a good thing about these TakeOver shows. It wasn't too long. Um, I thought all the matches were good to great, so I couldn't complain there. And a nice way to uh, occupy my Sunday night. Now, I will say this, it was long by NXT standards. It was actually a three-hour show. Now, I, I think the only other takeover to go three hours, and I might be wrong on this, there might be one, at least one other, was the takeover that we went to, takeover in New York um, in April of 2019. I know that was a three-hour show. Maybe on the dot, I'd have to go back and check. All the timestamps are on the network. Um, this one, because they watched it on delay, so when I saw it after the fact, it said three hours. So I was like, holy shit. <clears throat> I was not expecting that. So I will say, though, even though it was a three-hour show, you would never know it. The show just breezed by. The three hours just breezed by, specifically because of the War Games matches. And NXT always does a great job of filling in the time with five jam-packed, action-packed matches. And not every match is an instant classic by any means. I mean, no pay-per-view is perfect for the most part. 
Um, and this one was no exception. But they did a very good job of filling the time, and the War Games matches specifically I thought were really good, including the first one, the Women's War Games. Team Candice, consisting of Candice LeRae, Tony Storm, Dakota Kai, and Raquel Gonzalez, taking on Team Shotzi, Shotzi Blackheart, Io Shirai, the NXT Women's Champion, Ember Moon, and... Um, Wow, I, I wrote Io Shirai in my review here. It should have been Rhea Ripley. That's my bad. Um, it was a four-on-four women's war games match. Just pure pandemonium from start to finish. I mean, they brought in tables. They brought in trash cans. They brought in a lot of things. The chairs. Um, that chair spot from Ember Moon was one of the best spots the entire night. The eclipse from Ember onto Dakota Kai was incredible. Um, the trash can spot was a highlight, at least for me. I know Mr. Marceau didn't like that. But overall, this was a great piece of business, and um, they filled the time well, and was just, again, I, I had my reservations about a, a women's war games match a couple of weeks ago, because yeah, there really wasn't a need for it. But we watched this match, and it, and it makes you realize, wow, I'm glad this match happened, because there were a lot of moving parts that made sense. And then on top of it all, you have Raquel Gonzalez pinning Io Shirai for the victory for Team, uh, for team Candace, so obviously earning her a future shot at the NXT Women's Championship, but... Like I said, I thought start to finish, this was a great match, right up there with the men's match. People have said, oh, this one was better, that one was better. We'll get to that at the end of the show when we discuss the men's one. Um, but what were your thoughts in the women's war games, RJ? Did it, you know, live up to your expectations? And after having so many war games matches over the years, has it officially lost its luster? Because we discussed that a couple of weeks ago as, as how they're kind of doing too many of these and two in a night is a bit overkill. But I thought this was good enough to justify doing two more every show going forward. Yeah, I thought it was good. I mean, I think all the people in the match made sense. There's good, good fighting. I, I the one issue, not that it's a huge issue, but like the whole like the whole point of war game is supposed to be like the whole war game itself, like the whole cell. I just feel like the overabundance of weapons, maybe for me, just like fell a little bit. I mean, I feel like just every time someone would come in and bring in way more weapons and. They need to, the whole point of war games is to use the cell and kind of like the whole grueling 25 minutes, not like just beating the shit out of each other with all these weapons. I mm -hmm. will say that spot though, whew, that was that was money. But no, I thought I thought the match stuff was good. I said to you earlier, I, not that I think that it's overstated, it's welcome. I just think the first 25 minutes really doesn't mean much until they everyone gets into the match and that's when it starts. But I mean that's kind of a small nitpick, I guess. It's just like the heels beating up. The baby faces, and they finally even it out, and then obviously War Games begins. But for what it was, it was good. I thought Raquel pinning EO was the right call. I mean, if anyone was supposed to be pinned, I think EO should have got pinned, and especially by someone different, either Tony or or uh, Raquel, kind of just like planting the seeds for that for that match on the road. And thought it was a good match. Um, I liked how the heels went over and how Raquel looked strong, and finally seems like she's starting to get that push that. Not that I would say it was long awaited, but I think she's been doing great work since she's been paired with Dakota. So now that it seems like she's starting to get her own little push. Um, she had a great interview last night at NXT, I thought. So makes sense to finally give her a shot at the uh, NXT Women's Championship. Yeah, she's coming along nicely. We'll talk more about Raquel in the NXT review because she faced Ember Moon and beat Ember Moon last night on the sh <clears throat> last night on the show. But yeah, she really shined here. I thought she was an MVP. Ember Moon looked great, Io Shirai looked great, it really everyone looked great, um, but it was a great match overall that I thoroughly enjoyed, and then Team Candice obviously, like I said, going over with the victory, Candice breaking her arm in the process, um, so she was wearing a cast last night in NXT, it looks like she won't miss any time, at least maybe in the ring she will, but not on the show because she was on the show last night, 
Um, but you did mention to me over text, RJ, your modifications for the War Games match. I know you were talking about maybe eliminations, and my thing was that War Games has always been what it is for a reason. But um, for the match for you, RJ, would you add eliminations to make it more enjoyable so that first half an hour, as you said, isn't as repetitive as it has been over the last, I would say, couple of years, but that's been a thing with War Games forever? Yeah, either that or just like... Maybe put a, I mean, there should be a top on the cage. I think that's something that a lot of people think that should change. There should be a top on it. There's always a top on it. I understand now that you the flippy dee doo da so the top doesn't make as much sense. But, I mean, just make the top higher. Make the top higher. Because, I mean, they're like, oh, escape the cage. What, some, one year someone's going to escape the cage and lose it for their team? Like, that just seems really stupid. So, I don't know. I think eliminations could be good as well, especially if there's, like, imagine there are eliminations in the men's match. And there was just an undisputed error, and then Pat McAfee came out dead last. And, like, they're waiting for him. He's got to go in there and get his comeuppance. I mean, like, mm-hmm. and not, obviously, it's, it's a different thing, but it, obviously, the heels could also gang up on the babyface and win that way. But I think it just, the first 25 minutes, it just kind of is stale because you know no one's going to lose at that point. So it just moves for the sake of doing moves. Doesn't really, there's no, like, I don't know. It's just something to think of. I mean, it is what it is. I just think it'd make the match a little bit more exciting, but that's my thought. I missed that part. I, I completely forgot about that, where if you escape the cage, is it, do you lose? Did they say that? I always, I, I never heard that. I feel like they did. They said, like, pinfall submission, or if you escape the cage, you forfeit for your team, I thought they said. No, they, they probably do. I usually skip over the rules, because we've seen these so many <laughs> times over the years. I, I just forget, so I kind of skip over that part. But you're right, because I was wondering... If Pat McAfee leaves the cage, would they have to go after him? Like I said that on hashtag. Now I sound like a fucking idiot because I completely forgot about that part. Um, okay, that makes sense. But yeah, no, I I, I understand. I understand. The, the first half an hour or so, the first 25 minutes are always kind of the same um, in terms of like the heels ganging up on the baby faces. We saw a bit you know, of a different formula here with the faces ganging up on the heels, um, which I thought was refreshing. But I thought it was a really, really good match overall. And I'm really glad that... uh. Raquel got the pinning win, got the uh, winning pin rather for her team. I expected Team Shotzi to go over, and I'm very glad to have been wrong. Had they won, it would have been completely fine. But I think this does a better job of setting forth what our next title program is going to be for that NXT Women's Championship. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa, Timothy Thatcher. I know you thoroughly enjoyed RJ. This was a really good match. Um, I've seen some people say it was the weakest match on the show, which I don't agree with. I mean, it's really neck and neck with the Grimes and Loomis match, which I also enjoyed. But this is just a better style, and it's not for everyone, but um, they just beat the shit out of each other. They worked, you know, very similar styles. It was a very fun, physical match, and in the end, Tommaso Ciampa picking up the victory, but only after a great performance from Timothy Thatcher. Now, I feel like I say that all the time. He lost to, we, we said, you know, we talked about this last week, lost to Kushida recently on the show. I feel like he lost to Dexter Loomis not too long ago. Lost to Finn Balor takeover. He's lost to... Uh, maybe Damian Priest. Yeah, he faced Damian Priest, actually, for the NXT North American Championship a couple of months ago. Lost that, too. I feel like he loses way more than he should for a guy that's as good as he is. No, I completely agree. I like Thatcher a lot. I like Ciampa. People saying this is the weakest match. I, I love this match. Yep. It's probably one of my favorite one-on-one just single matches I've seen in a while. I just thought it was a great hard-hitting affair. They worked very hard and stiff with each other. Um... I, I like both guys a lot, too. I, Thatcher grows on me. He's just kind of like that shooter, wrestler, kind of grapple guy. And Champ is just a badass as well. So I love this match. Um, not sure. I, I think Thatcher does lose a lot as well. I think he's kind of in that Damian Priest 
role at the beginning. Like, Priest used to lose to everyone. Now they're kind of starting to put a push behind him. So hopefully Thatcher, I'm um, not exactly sure what they're going to do with him and Champa next. Obviously, T stuff last night in NXT. But uh, I like Thatcher. I like Champa. So um, I thought it was a great match. I, I, if you thought that was weak, you must – just because they – must not because they just did a lot of flips or something. But I thought <laughs> the match was great. I mean, I don't know what you could have hated about that match. I thought it was just a great Harding affair, and we don't see that enough. And uh, maybe because they locked up, you know, people don't lock up anymore. So ah, exactly. That, yeah, that boring Matt wrestling—that's what mm-hmm. probably came down. That they didn't do enough flips, so people must not have liked it. But I, I thought honestly, it's probably my favorite match of the night. Really, your favorite match of the night over the War Games stuff? Yeah. Wow, that's saying a lot. No, I thought it was a great match, and I, again, I spoke a lot about Thatcher losing a lot, but it should not be. You know, I, I got to mention that. Uh, Ciampa has lost a lot, too, at least on TakeOver. Uh, the last TakeOver that he won at was War Games last year for his team when he pinned Adam Cole in War Games. Before that, uh, the, his only other singles win on TakeOver in recent years would be when he beat Aleister Black at TakeOver Phoenix almost two years ago in January of 2019. So he desperately needed a win here. He had to fucking win here, and I'm glad he did. Um, he had to. He absolutely had to. So I'm glad that he won here. Thatcher needs wins too. Champa, you know, I saw I was, I was talking to someone about this on Twitter, and they were like, "Oh, Thatcher should have won. Champa should just be elevating people at this point." Well, in order to elevate people, you have to have credibility yourself. Because if you lose to everyone, how much does it really fucking mean to beat Tommaso Champa? The answer is is that it won't. It won't mean anything. So he had to win this match, and I'm glad that they're continuing it too. They continued it on NXT on Wednesday. Um, we might as well get to it right now. Do you think a rematch is inevitable, and would you like to see it inside the fight pit, RJ? Yeah, I'd love to see a rematch between these guys. Like I said, I thought it was a great Harding affair. Even even if they, because like I said, they're not really they're still teasing a few, but like even if they teamed up, I, I would like that. Like a little team with uh, Champa and Thatch, that would be pretty neat. Something different. I mean, the tag team division needs teams, so I wouldn't hate that as well. So maybe maybe a fight pitch match they have. They kind of like get on the same page, maybe team up together. But no, I, I think anything with these two guys, I'm definitely I'm definitely interested in. Kind of Birch and Lorcan style from a couple of years ago when they had those matches against each other and they traded Windsor for a couple of weeks and then they ended up forming a tag team and now they're the tag team champions three years later. Um, but it would be funny though because both, <laughs> both guys have been in teams before and they both team they both turned on their partners. Ciampa turned on Johnny and Thatcher turned on Matt Riddle. So that would be interesting and I saw a lot of people saying that same thing in terms of, like, that they should team up. Um, it would be interesting. Their tag team division is looking up. This was, like, the fourth consecutive takeover that we did not have the tag titles defended. Now, I know the tag team champions were involved in the main event, but the tag titles were not defended, and that is just four straight takeovers is inexcusable. So, the, on the bright side, they are forming more teams. <clears throat> they have, you know, Maverick and Dane coming on up. Everrise are there. They have Grizzled Young Vets. They have Imperium. <clears throat> Jesus, uh, they have a lot of different teams, so I'm, I'm happy to say that they have a lot of teams coming up in the division, which is cool to say. Uh, and I, I think you know Champa and Thatcher adding to the, being added to the mix would be pretty fun as well. So we got Dexter Loomis and Cameron Grimes in a strap match, and we had a strap match over the summer of the Great American Bash between Dexter Loomis and Roderick Strong. That also, in my opinion, exceeded expectations. This was quite good as well. <clears throat> Again, probably the weakest match on the show, but I enjoyed it for what it was. Loomis went over as I, as I think he probably should have, or as I thought he would. And that was that. I mean, I thought it fit well with the story they were trying to tell with Grimes trying to escape Loomis, blah, blah, blah. Uh, not really much more I can say that about, and not really much more I could say about this than that. I just thought it was a good match for what it was. 
Loomis wins, and hopefully we can finally move on from this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big Cameron Grimes guy, so him losing again just didn't really... I mean, I kind of figured he was going to lose, but I mean, I just don't really see much in Loomis, so... Not sure exactly why they're so high on him. I mean, he's good in the ring. I just, I mean, I just don't see him ever becoming like a champion or anything above a certain level. So, I, I, I it fit the story well, but I, I think Grimes should be winning more. I feel like they had, he was like on this big push. He was winning a lot, and then once they kind of gotten to the point of like being credible, then uh, all of a sudden lately he's just been losing a shit ton. So, not sure exactly what's going on with him, but uh, for what it was, it was fine. I, I just. They need to rely for the strap matches. I feel, I feel like I've seen more strap matches or similar matches the last three or five months than I've seen in the last couple of years. Like they had the dog collar, not even the dog collar match. It's similar. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like dynamite. Yeah, they've done that. Like you said, they had one earlier in the year with Loomis and Roddy. Like and fucking, and with Wyatt and Brian at the Rumble. Exactly. Relax with the strap matches. <laughs> I agree. Hopefully, we get less strap matches in twenty uh, in twenty twenty one. But you know, I thought this was good. So Grimes, I think, would benefit from more of an aggressive edge because he came across like a comedy goof on NXT again on Wednesday. So the thing is, is that I think he's gone over through the comedy stuff. He, he's honestly won me over through what he's been doing um, the last couple of months with Loomis. I just think now that it's over and he's lost a bunch, he should probably go back to being more aggressive, more intense, serious, whatever. And maybe entering that NXT North American Championship picture because I feel like that'd be a perfect place for him to be. Yeah, it seems like the. I mean, it doesn't really know. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the story's really there right now. But yeah, I think you should be involved as well because I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that's where it should be. I mean, Gargano won the belt again. I mean, whatever, I guess. But uh, <laughs> we'll get to that. I yeah, it's just whatever. So. I mean, I, I would like to see him. I think he'd be great as a mid-card champion. Um, like I said, I thought they, that's where they were kind of going with him. It seemed like he was getting that big push, and he started losing a lot, and now he's losing to Loomis. It's kind of like that Thatcher territory. I think I feel like he's getting wins, and then now he's kind of losing. At least Thatcher, I feel like there's an end game or at least something there. Grimes just seems like he's losing just to sake of lose. But um, we'll see. No, I think NXT's mid-card right now is pretty stacked, honestly. It is. So next week we're getting Johnny Gargano and, oh man, who's he teaming with? Oh, Austin Theory versus Leon Ruff and Kushida. So Kushida might be entering that North American title mix. Obviously, Johnny Gargano is the new NXT North American champion for the third time. The first ever, I believe, three-time champion in NXT's history of any kind. So we'll get into it right now, the triple threat for the NXT North American Championship. I honestly thought this was a great match. This was probably my third favorite match on the show behind the two War Games matches. Um, it was all action. Leon Ruff looked like he belonged. They have told a great story with him being against the odds and stuff like that. I thought it would lead to him retaining, just because Gargano and Priest would cancel each other out. But that was not the case. Gargano won the championship back, so doesn't look like we're going to be getting that. Um, but I thought it was a great match, though. Ruff, I don't know really what you do with him from here. I know he is facing Gargano next week. I just feel like he's going to fade off into obscurity when you have so many other people that are better than him on that show. He kind of lucked into a title win, and that's cool. Um, but it was only a month, if that. And there's really not much more you can do with him from here, I, I feel like. So we'll see what happens in that tag team match. But as far as this triple threat is concerned, we did have a lot of interference towards the end. That was the only part about this I didn't love. I didn't mind the scream, you know, the ghost face guy interfering. But when you have six of them showing up, I thought it was the fucking creepers from the Dark Order. There were so fucking many of these people, dude. 
no, I completely agree. You know, that's one of my big rules. Like, less less interference, the better. I thought the match was good for what it was. I don't, I didn't really love, like, the story of them, like, basically saying that, like, Ruff was, like, Damien's, like, little buddy. Like, he kept, like, not, I don't know, like, Ruff would keep hitting him, and then he'd just, like, throw him to the side, and then he'd just, like, start beating his ass. I don't know. I didn't really love that dynamic. That's, like, if you're going to make him the champion, make him someone serious, he just seemed like, like I said, like, Priest's little buddy, like, he wasn't going to hit him, and then he hit him with that razor's edge, but, I don't know, it just didn't love that part, the fucking interference, oh my god, one guy, fine, 17 million guys, like you said, I feel like the Creepers from fucking the Dark Order, it just seemed completely random, love the, I mean, Gargano winning, I guess, it's been there, done that, I mean, the guy, is the guy ever going to get fucking called up, like, Guy's just been the fucking developmental <laughs> fucking heart of the last, like, four years. I love Johnny Gargano, but fucking get old. Like, move on. I mean, guy's like, oh, I'm never going to go to the main roster. So you're going to sit developmental the rest of your career? Like, come on. I just, <laughs> it's just, it's, I don't know. I think more people could use the belt, and it's him having it again really doesn't do much for him. Eh? We've seen it without, like, the third time. We don't need to see it again. I just, I don't know. I know he's changed his character a little bit, but, I mean, Go to the main roster. Come on, buddy. <laughs> so, I don't hate the idea of him getting the belt back. I just thought Leon Ruff should have had a longer reign. And then someone like a Grimes could have beat him for that belt. Or even a Pat McAfee coming off the performance that he had in War Games. Or really, almost anyone else on that show that's a heel. That could have used the title more than more than Gargano. Now, I, I hope that Gargano is going to be champion again. they got to give him a meaningful, lengthy title run. Which he hasn't had yet in NXT. His last two North American title reigns were both very short-lived. He was NXT Tag Team Champion for maybe a month or two before they lost it to AOP in uh, January of 2017. He was NXT Champion for all of two months. Had no title defenses on the show itself, I don't think. So, they need to give him a couple, at least a couple months. And we just talked about this last week. Where they're, dude, they're playing the game of hot potato with this belt. It's like, does it even, I was like, oh, Gargano won. Like, it doesn't really mean much when we've seen the championship change hands like four times in the span of three months. No, I completely agree. The belt has been playing hot potato this whole fucking year, it seems like. I just. Well, ever since Keith Lee dropped it, I would say. Since Keith Lee fucking vacated, it's been hot potato, which was like four months ago. So it's even crazier that they've had so many title changes in that small span. But I don't know, like, I just. I'd rather it have kept on rough, like you said, either then he could have lost to some up and not even up and coming, just a new fucking heel that could have won the belt. I just think Gargano having it just like I get it, like you said, like he hasn't had a big reign, but like I just I'm just I like Gargano, just I'm so over him like being champion at NXT at this point. He's won every belt, it's just like move on, dude. <laughs> and I know like probably if he got called up he'd be on two oh five live and not doing anything, but I mean, you got to push more people. He's, at this point, he shouldn't be champion. He should just be someone, like, putting people over. I don't need to see him as champion anymore, honestly. Yeah, no, I understand. I'm fond of him being a champion as long as they give him fresh opponents and he holds on to it for a while, so it actually means something when he loses it. Now, I know the rough thing was done as a joke, but it just feels like it was a waste of time at this point. Why wouldn't... If, if Gargano being champion was going to be the end game the entire time, why do they even bother with the Leon Ruff stuff? Like, it's not like, oh my god, it's a must-see moment where NXT is exciting every single week. Like, that was the the only shocker that they've done in, in many, many months, and they haven't really done one since then. Um, I don't know, I just feel like, I, I just don't really see the point in taking the belt off of them just to put it right back on them. At least immediately, I thought that was silly. 
Um, but it looks like he is primed for a feud with Kushida over that championship. I was kind of uh, a little bit surprised that Kushida wasn't involved in the opening segment in NXT this week, and it looks like it's because he's not going after the NXT championship. Why do that when you could just go after the North American title, apparently? So it looks like that's where he's headed. I know Gargano, when I talked to him over the summer, he said that he wanted to face at some point Kyle O'Reilly on a takeover. I think that'd be fucking sick. In your mind, looking at the roster, assuming Gargano can hold on to this title on his first title defense, which is questionable at this point, um, who do you think is the ultimate person to take that belt from Gargano? Is it a Kyle O'Reilly? Is it Kushida? Is it a Bronson Reed? Or is it back to Damian Priest? Is there anyone on that roster that stands out to you, RJ? I mean, there's so many guys in that mid-card that I, I wouldn't have a problem if they took their belt off him, but someone knew. I mean, I don't think it's Kushida. I mean, I just feel like he hasn't really had a good push or hasn't really seemed like he's been in the good graces of them. So I, I wouldn't say it's him. I mean, Bronson Reed would be cool. I haven't seen him on TV in a while, I feel like. Yep. Kyle Riley would be cool, but I feel like it would be way too early at this point to switch the belt. They're going to do that right away. No, no, I mean, I mean down the road. Oh, down the road, yeah, Kyle would be cool. I mean, pretty much anyone that mid-card that hasn't won that belt, I wouldn't have a problem winning it. Yeah, Loomis is an option, too. No, no, no. Okay, so I'll take that back. <laughs> but, like, even Theory beating him would be cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Thatcher winning it would be cool. Uh, like I said, Reed, Grimes, Kyle. I mean, any of those people. Anyone but Dexter Loomis, I'd be fine with it. Could be it could be someone that we haven't even seen yet that they haven't even brought up to TV. So it could be Baba Tunde for all we know. Okay, not Baba Tunde as well. Him and Lewis, <laughs> no thank you. We get to the main event, the men's war games match, four on four, undisputed era versus Team McAfee, consisting of Pat McAfee, Oni Lorcan, Danny Birch, and Pete Dunn. Uh, fantastic match, you know. I thought this was great, and it was different from the opener. Now the opener was more like hardcore stuff, and listen. I usually hate that shit, but in war games, I'm willing to, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, but in this main event, this was not really as hardcore, and it was. They used tables and chairs and stuff like that, but I thought it was more storytelling-based, with the heels beating up on the baby faces. They were waiting for McAfee to come out. It was all about that eventual Adam Cole-Pat McAfee face-off, and the two teams at full capacity going right at it, which was great. McAfee, though, I, I don't care what anyone says, and I'm not saying anyone has said otherwise, but he was the absolute MVP of this thing. Like, it, it's not even a question. I mean, that moonsault was one of the best moonsaults I think I've ever seen, probably since, I mean, this isn't even an exaggeration, one of the best moonsaults I've seen since Kurt Angle 10, 15 years ago. Like, him floating in midair the way that he does, more so than Charlotte, maybe Cody. Cody has a great moonsault, too. For, I mean, sometimes he botches it. Um, yeah, Charlotte's a shit. I'm trying to think of other people who do moonsaults, but his is one of the best I've seen in a long time. His, his is very effortless, it looks like. Like you said, it looks like he's like floating in air at points. Like It doesn't even look like... like Eos is very quick and fast, so I wouldn't compare it to hers, because hers is very like... It's like a snap moonsault, I feel like. But Pat McAfee's is, just, like I said, it's just like effortless and... He looks like he's just gliding through the air, but no, I, I thought this match was good. Like you said, I think it was more storytelling than the the first match was just kind of like a like an actual war, no pun intended. But uh, McAfee kicking out of the Panama Sunrise, I was bonkers surprised. I thought that was it, but no, I like that. Like I heard you say hashtag, like he already took the move once, so maybe he, like knew how to kick out of it. I love that. Um, no, I thought it was a good match. Undisputed Era winning was a little bit surprising. I didn't really have an issue with it. I thought McAfee team probably should have won, but nothing crazy. So I thought it was a good match. 
kind of long, but no complaints besides that. No, yeah, a little long, but I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, I mean, I definitely did. I thought it was a fantastic main event, but I enjoyed the certain parts, like, for example, the first half an hour or so that they kind of dragged on for a little bit. I, I enjoyed that for what it was. It really wasn't until that final stretch where things really picked up. Um, I think my biggest nitpick of the match itself was at the end. So, did, I'll ask this before I get to the finishing sequence. Did you have an issue with the Canadian Destroyer, the Panama Sunrise being kicked out of by Adam Cole? No, I didn't have a problem with that. So, I said this on hashtag, and you probably agree based off your answer, but I usually do. And, we, I mean, no one hates the Canadian Destroyer being kicked out of the May. I mean, we talk about it almost every fucking week. We see it in Dynamite all the time being kicked out of as, like, a regular move. It happens in WWE, too. It's not just an AEW thing. Now, I've seen it happen in Impact. I've seen it happen in NXT UK. I mean, even in the NW fucking A. I mean, it's happened everywhere. Ring of Honor. So I hate that. But here it made sense because that was what put McAfee away the first time in their TakeOver 30 match between McAfee and Cole. So I didn't really have an issue with that. So that wasn't what ended the match. It was... I got to backtrack here. So that bitter end on the chair. You talk about the eclipse on the chair. That was probably one of, if not the spot of the night. I would put the bitter end on the chair even over that because that was a brutal fucking spot. That's Roddy's move, right? No, no, no. So uh, Pete Dunn hit his finisher on top of the chair to Adam Cole. Yep, that was that was that was that was a good sequence. And, um, and then so then after that, Roddy, I don't know if anyone picked up on this. So Pete Dunn covers Adam Cole. Roddy comes in and just not curb stomps Pete Dunn, but he just slams his foot right in the back of his fucking head, right as he's making the pin. I don't, I, again, this is so, like, minute that I'm not sure. I mean, people probably noticed that. It was the exact same way, dude, that he turned on Pete Dunne to take over, what was it, New Orleans a couple years ago when Pete Dunne was making the cover, and then Roddy went in and just booted him right in the head, and that's when he hit his finisher on Pete Dunne. Um, and that's how he joined Undisputed Era. So I don't know if that was done on purpose. I feel like it was, because it was a nice callback to that moment of Roddy doing that exact same move to Pete two and a half years ago. So then he follows it up with the end of heartache, his backbreaker finisher, and holy shit, I thought Pete Dunne touched the moon. Like, Cameron Grimes talks about, oh, straight to the moon, blah, blah, blah. That was the most height I've ever seen anyone get from that end of heartache finisher from Roddy Strong. That was a beautiful-looking backbreaker. <laughs> uh, now that you think about it, honestly, I feel like the time was just so much going on, I didn't even think of it. But yeah, he did send him straight to the moon. Uh, quote Cameron guys. I mean, holy smokes! He looked like he was floating through air like a like a tissue. He was all over the place. But no, I think I I didn't even think of that. Like you said, that uh, foot stop. I mean, it definitely didn't cross my mind. But now that you said it, I feel like it does ring a bell. Yeah. So there was a lot going on in that finishing sequence, but that might have been my favorite part. So that was great. And then Kyle O'Reilly had you know he. I think they did the high-low to, to Lorcan or Birch or something him and Fish did. So then Riley goes on top of the ropes, and then he jumps off and, like, does a knee onto a chair and a Lorcan's arm or something like that. So that was the finish. It felt a little underwhelming compared to everything that came before, but it was a great way to close it off. Undisputed Era wins. I We, we said McAfee's team would win. I, I'm not a, I don't really have an issue with uh, Undisputed Era winning just because I feel like they kind of needed it because they lost the last two years, so... This evens the record two and two, which just makes sense. And um, do you think we'll see McAfee again in NXT after this? Because again, he had a hell of a performance. I would put him up there. I I didn't really I didn't put him in the year in review awards just because he's not a regular member of the roster. I don't think. But him and 
Dominic Mysterio have impressed me more than anyone else in 2020. I mean, he had a stellar performance here, and I would be very disappointed if we don't see him again after this. No, and his two breakout matches, or two matches that he's had, he's definitely shined. I mean, guy's been a great heel on NXT, probably one of the better heels in the business. I mean, he, yeah. I think he just knows how to be a heel, and he's just like, you want to boo him. I mean, if there were crowds, I feel like, I mean, people might be jumping the rails at this point. But uh, <laughs> it's very, good. it's very old school Cornette era esque. No, yeah, very old school Healy. Like uh, he just know, I think he just like has that machismo, like that charisma of just being like a dick. Mm-hmm. You want to boo him. He's not even like a cool heel. Like you just really want to see him get his ass kicked. So he's definitely had a great performance this year. Dominic Mysterio, I feel like at first had some good performance. Lately, just, I don't even think I ain't seen him wrestle lately. But no, they definitely have both uh, had a great twenty twenty. Wouldn't say they've both been breakout because they haven't had too many performances. But the small performance that I've seen them in, especially the big matches, um, they've looked great. No, yeah, they, I wouldn't call them breakout stars because he had a breakout performance, but it's not like he broke out and won the NXT Championship. Like he just had two matches, really impressed me. Um, I, like it, with Dominic too. Like again, he, he again I said impressed me, so he really impressed me with that debut. It's not like he's the most improved player of the year because he hasn't done a lot since then. He hasn't wrestled a lot lately at all, so I can't really say he's like the most improved because I don't know what he was like pre SummerSlam debut. But they have both impressed me more than pretty much anyone else in 2020. And I thought, uh, you know, McAfee in this match was great. And did you see that he <laughs> he's living the gimmick now on his show, on his podcast? Did you see that he's wearing the neck brace this week? I did. I did. I, I laughed at that. Yeah, I thought that was great. Um, I, I, I don't know if there's many people. Let, let's go into this right now real quickly before, you know, the year in review awards in a couple weeks. I don't know if there's two people I have become bigger fans of in 2020 that I just could not have give two, given two shits about six, seven, eight months ago than Pat McAfee and Cameron Grimes. And there's probably more from you know AEW in the main roster, but those two specifically, I have made a complete 180 on in the last, I would say, six to eight months. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've since I've watched football, I know Pat McAfee. I've known, like, I've seen his show before, so I know, like, he's very... I don't even know what polarizing is, but he he I, he knows how to be a dick. So it's like him him coming on NXT at first. It was just like why, but I mean he's athletic. Like I said, he has that charisma of being like a heel, and everything he's done I I've enjoyed. So he's been great. Same with Grimes. I I mean if you go in the archives, I probably shit all over Cameron Grimes. But... We both did. Let's let's be honest. We both did. <laughs> but he definitely has grown on me a lot. I mean I think he's good in the ring. I would say the same thing with Thatcher. At, th- at first Thatcher just seemed like a fucking a call from SmackDown vs. <laughs> a like call generic- with less teeth. <laughs> Just a generic ass guy, but no, he's definitely won me over as well. So yeah, those three in particular definitely have impressed me this year. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So we'll get to the fallout from NXT on Wednesday real quick before we get to Dynamite, or rather Raw real quick. We'll end with the Dynamite stuff. I'd rather end on a positive note because Raw was uh, a mixed bag as always. Not a terrible show, but definitely not the best show they've had in a while. So, quickly, the fallout from NXT on Wednesday. We did find out the future of the NXT Championship picture. Um, Oh, man, I completely forgot about this, too. Real quickly, also from NXT, and I guess we can talk about it here, too, from from TakeOver, that is. Um, Austin Theory being revealed as the the ultimate ghost-faced figure that's been following around LeRae and Gargano for weeks now. We predicted it literally from day one. I mean, I, I think I said that at Halloween Havoc itself that it was Austin Theory. The timing could not have been, I mean, more obvious just because it was the week after he quit in storyline. Um, 
So anyway, what were your thoughts on Austin Theory joining Gargano and LeRae and Hartwell? And I thought their segment on Wednesday with the whole championship celebration, if you watched it, was a great indication of how well they're going to work together from this point forward. Yeah, I wasn't surprised. I mean, I think we, we knew that right off the bat. We knew it was going to be Indy, and we knew it was going to be Austin Theory. But no, I, th- I thought it was good. Uh, I like Austin Theory. I think he's got a lot of potential. And getting him on TV, it can't hurt. So, I mean, wasn't surprised it was him, but... I mean, just because it's not surprising doesn't mean it's good. So him with Gargano, it's interesting to see what that dynamic's going to look like. I mean, I think he's an up-and-comer, and he could use some some tutelage from Gargano. So I think it's no negatives in this. I think it would only be, only be good for them. I agree. So we kick off the show in NXT with the, uh, you know, progression, more of a, uh, we get a better idea of what the NXT championship picture is going to be looking like going forward. We finally got the return of Finn Balor. Now, Finn Balor was on the show a couple of weeks ago, didn't do a lot, didn't get physical. He just kind of got interrupted by uh, Pat McAfee's group, and they kind of ushered him out of the ring. So Balor was back here. He is a fighting champion. He will be defending that NXT championship at the New Year's Evil show, which is apparently an 80s movie or something. I've never heard of that. I don't know why you just don't bring back New Year's Revolution. I mean, to me, that would just make way more sense. I mean, it's WWE, so sense me. You take common sense, you throw it out the window. I mean, come on. Well, I mean, and, I mean, it's NXT. I mean, NXT has brought back, you know, they brought back Halloween Havoc and the Great American Bash for two fitting themed shows, and I thought that was great. I think they could have afforded to bring back. Um, they could have afforded to bring back New Year's Revolution as well, but it, it's yeah, not. You know. Yeah, but then if people would be like, "Oh, like AEW's got a Revolution pay per view," and then you just know it just caused. Oh, fucking... yeah, yeah. Yeah, you ever thought of that one, huh? Yeah, exactly. So I mean, the New Year's <laughs> Evil is what it is. I mean, I don't hate it. I mean, it is what it is. AEW's got something similar too. It's like. They have some, I don't know what the hell they call it. It's like New Year's sm- Slant. Uh, yeah, it's New Year's Smash or something. Yeah, so, like, I mean, it is what it is. I, I would have brought back New Year's Revolution, but I said, you know, all the marks would be crying <laughs> if they thought, and they're like, oh, AEW's got a baby called Revolution. So, New Year's Evil is what it is, but, I mean, I like I like how they need to do more. Like, instead of, well, they already do have, like, small amount of takeovers, so they can get away with it, but I like, like, the theme shows. Small, like, a, like a themed or special, like, NXT show is always great. AEW is doing like three in a row. They have the New Year's Smash show. They have two weeks of that. But they're also having a holiday show on the 23rd, too. Um, I don't know if it's anything, like it's called anything. But they're having you know, a Christmas show. What'd you say? I, th- I, I just, I had it pulled up too. My internet's fucking went down. I think, that it just, I think it's just like holiday bash or something. I don't know. They didn't have a name for it, but I think it's just because it's right before Christmas. I don't think it's like... The other ones, like you said, the New Year Smash that they're having a part one, part two. Yeah, no, it's just it's just like a holiday themed episode of Dynamite. So we have that, and then the next week, Chris Jericho's on commentary, your favorite, and then <sighs> on the sixth, part two of the New Year's Smash episode of Dynamite, Snoop Dogg is gonna be there. I have absolutely no idea why, but he was fuck. Did you watch the uh, the Mike Tyson fight from a couple of weeks ago? No. You didn't watch the fight, I'm very surprised, but he was very good on commentary, which I, is something I never thought I would say, but um, any chance they, <laughs> they take Snoop Dogg's part right out of Sasha Banks' theme song after they hear about that? <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> they take him I right mean, out of the Hall of Fame because of that. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> it does seem random, but he also is on that show that Cody's on. That oh, that, that is why, yeah. So they did air it last night, because I'm like, why would they have Snoop Dogg? That's so random, but then they... <laughs> yeah, 
commercial. They showed like a commercial like right after they announced that, and it was like that. Then it's test- called the, it's called Go Big Show, yeah. Yeah, and, and he was one of the like uh, judges with Cody, so yep. I'm like, okay, that's now. But I mean, it is what it is. I mean. <laughs> It's, I thought it was random too, but that makes a lot more sense. I totally forgot about that, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised enough. WWE is so fucking petty, and they take the belt off of Sasha like on that same week of SmackDown because of her cousin going to AEW. Oh man, I wouldn't be surprised. But anyway, I got I got way off track here. So the NXT Championship will be defended on that show. Uh, Finn Balor got interrupted by Damian Priest, Kyle O'Reilly, Pete Dunne, uh, Scarlett even. So, Damian Priest is clearly busy with Karrion Cross. Priest got attacked by the returning Karrion Cross. Cool moment. Glad that Cross is back. I really like the idea of a Priest and Cross mini feud. Um, we never really got to see a full fledged feud between like Dijakovic and Cross. Dijakovic was just kind of fed to Cross, and that was it. Uh, I think this one can last a little bit longer. Do the match on that show, and I, I think doing Balor and Cross anytime too, anytime soon would be a mistake. They could they should save that for like a future takeover, um, whether it be the next one or the one after that. So. Priest is out of the conversation, but O'Reilly, Dunn, do you have any preference for who you would want to see face Finn Balor for the NXT Championship next, RJ? I would do Dunn. I would do Dunn first. Um, like you said, it seems like Karrion and, and Damien are going to be in a little mini feud. doesn't make a lot of sense for Karrion. Like, guy got hurt, so why wouldn't you want, wouldn't you want like go right for the belt right away? But, I mean, I also think they should save that for a takeover, maybe the WrestleMania show takeover. So, I don't have a huge issue with it. Um, Kyle already faced Finn. I mean, they had a great match. Lost. I mean, I'd, I'd like to see Pete versus, versus Finn do that. It should be another great heart-hitting affair. So, I would do Pete. Pete and uh, Finn. Seems, like I said, it seems like Damian and Karrion are in each other's crosshairs, and Kyle just lost. So, I, I, I would save Kyle for the North American title. Maybe yep. do him and Johnny. I think that would be pretty neat. Um, you do Finn and Pete, Johnny and Kyle. And then uh, Karrion and Damien. I mean, that'd be a fucking sick card. Just both three matches alone. So <laughs> yeah, I agree. So you know they're not gonna do it. So yeah. I mean that'd be cool. But also, I feel like that's like they put that on that New Year's Evil show. Damn, holy smokes, that'd be a fucking. <laughs> that'd be hot. Well, I think they're building the Kushida and Gar- uh, Gargano first, probably uh, on that New Year's Evil show, which is equally great because they've never had a match before on the show. So I'm totally fine with that. Um, I'm a little surprised that Kushida's not in the NXT title picture just because he's been winning so much lately. It looked like that's what they were grooming him for, but I, I guess not. But hey, a title's a title, so whatever. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with Dunn. Dunn just be killing Dane Lassen out in NXT, so it would make sense. O'Reilly already lost to Finn Balor, so Dunn. If Balor and Cross is where we're headed, we gotta get Balor and Dunn first because they've never done it before. Dunn's hot right now, even though he's coming off a War Games loss. Um, he, he's got to go. He, he's got to, you know, get the next title shot. So I'm glad that's the direction they're going in. And to be fair, you said, oh, why wouldn't Karrion Cross go for the title? It looked like he was. I mean, Scarlet came out and interrupted Balor. So it looked like, oh, shit, we're going to get Cross and Balor. And then Damian Priest had to go and run his mouth and talk shit about Cross. And that's why Cross went after Priest. So to be fair, it looked like he was going to go. Yeah, after- but, eh, because you said your boy's in the, like, I don't know, like. He's got to protect his woman. <laughs> okay, Jitsu, I'll give it to you. <laughs> he's being—he's—he's a, he's a fucking gentleman. <laughs> I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I guess. And, and they say so. chivalry is not—they—they—they they, they say chivalry is dead. I mean, Karen well, Cross. Up for fucking what's your face then, Brandy then? Who? Why isn't Cody sticking up for Brandy then? Oh she God, because he's a yeah, moron. The- She'll stick up for him, but he doesn't give a shit about her. <laughs> he should have been the one fighting Shaq. Like, what the hell? What okay? 
Let's just get into Dynamite right now, real quickly. <laughs> Let's get into Dynamite. We'll mention that. We don't even have to go match by match here. Listen, I like Shaq. I do. I think him doing his thing in Dynamite is... Uh, I don't hate the idea. We talked about this a while ago. It's incredibly fucking random for him to be facing Cody Rhodes, of all people. But it looks like they're not even doing that. So, in, unless I missed something, did he not say that I have no interest in facing Cody? Like, I don't know. Brandy threw, like, a cup of water in his face. So it looks like you would think they're building the Brandy in Shaq, and not, Cody doesn't care. Cody's busy with Sting right now, so, like, what is going on here? Do they even know what's going on here? Like, it's, it seems so forced no, and random. I, I understand what you're saying. No, they basically, at first, the whole fucking Jade and Brandy and Cody thing, like, at first they basically teased Cody or Shaq. Then, like, lately we haven't seen Shaq. That was, like, a month or two, or a month and a half ago, that whole shit, and then... Then it was, now we're having like this little mini feud with Brandy and Jade. Or is that her name? Jade? I think that's her name. Jade, Jade Cardwell. Yeah. Yep. And then now Shaq was on there, but then like you said, Brandy was sticking up. And then basically Shaq was like, oh, like I'm so excited for you and Jade to like finally wrestle. Who the fuck wants to see that? No one. And then, because <laughs> I can only imagine how bad this Jade girl's in the ring. And we know She's Brandy's super been, green from what I've been told. Oh my God. I, that, I watched that match just a lot and it's going to be terrible. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like you said, Shaq's, I'm pretty sure Shaq said he has no interest in wrestling Cody. And then Cody's also like teasing with Sting. So I don't know. It's like three storylines, like all intertwined and not really because Cody seems like he's more interested in Sting than Shaq at this point. So maybe they thought, maybe they didn't know Sting was coming. So they did this whole Shaq thing. And now that Sting's there, they just kind of threw it by the wayside. They do with a lot of stuff that people never fucking talk about, but we'll see. I mean, I don't want to see Jade. The only reason I want to see Jade and Brandy is see how bad it is. Besides that, I have no interest in seeing it. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I don't know. It, it seems like I thought the original idea was Shaq and this Jade Cargill girl. Uh, Car Gargill. I, I think it's Cargill. Cargill. Yeah. Cargill. I think it is. Cargill. Okay. Facing Cody and Brandy in a mixed tag team match. I don't think that's the direction they're going. And Cody is busy with Sting. So we had Sting on the show. He spoke. Um, he came across like a totally normal person. He wasn't speaking in Joker's thing voice, which, you know, that, that can be entertaining at times, but he, you know, he, he felt like an annoying, it's, it sounded like Steve Borden talking, which is what I liked about this. Cause he came across as genuine here. So I like the segment. My problem is, is that they just reiterated the same information that we already knew that Sting is signed to a full-time contract. We know you told us last week. The whole thing was built up as this interview with Tony Schiavone. He's going to tell us. He doesn't have to give everything away, obviously. The whole thing with Sting is that he's mysterious. Was this just supposed to plant the seeds for a Cody Sting match or like a tag team? Or I don't really know what was accomplished here. It just kind of felt like I was... I mean, obviously the goal was to leave you wanting more, and it did. But to me, it was just a little unsatisfying because, again, you don't have to give everything away. But they didn't even set anything in motion like this this Team Taz. Like Team Taz got a promo backstage... I don't know. Why wouldn't they just come out and, and crash this thing? I'm just very confused as to what's going on here. Yeah, this fell flat for me as well. I just feel like Sting said a lot of th- said a lot of words, but not anything that really like that we don't know or anything that was really interesting. And like you said, right after this, they did the Team Taz promo. He's like, "We beat your ass" and like all this stuff. And like it didn't even see, like it. What they what Sting and Cody were talking about was basically a match between themselves or even Darby. And then all of a sudden, Team Taz is just like. We're not done with you, but they didn't even have, not even like Sting or Cody even fucking recognized them or even like brought them up. So that was seemed kind of random. Love the Brian Cage one word response with a throat slit. Who better? 
That's how bad he is on the mic. Oh my god, I fucking died. I love I love uh, Ricky Starks though. He's he's absolute money. Th- on that's the mic, why he's though. with Taz though, because he's not a great he's not a great talker. Yeah, but then why Starks with him then? Just to get. I mean, I mean, uh, no, no, I mean, I, not not everyone has to be not like not everyone has to be like this muscled up giant who can't talk. Like I mean, CM Punk was with Paul Heyman, and that was a great pairing, and Punk could talk no. all by himself. Well, no, I know. I mean, I know why Starks is with Taz. I mean, everyone's got to be in a group, so. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, I think he works, he works great with them. I think he's like the small guy that can talk. And, no, I agree. So, I mean, I didn't hate that, but like I said, I just felt like Sting and Cody's last worries were them, and then Team Taz like, we're still killing for you, but it's like it seemed like they were preoccupied themselves then with them. So maybe it's, I mean, I don't want to see Sting wrestling, so I, if anything, maybe do a tag team match. I could do Darby. Uh, Cody and Sting versus Team Taz, but I mean, on his own, guy's fucking. I think people forget the guy's sixty-one years old. He doesn't look like it, honestly. He doesn't look. eh, His hair looks a little tough, but it does. But at the same, hey, Donald Trump fake hair look. He's got like. (laughs) It looks like it's fake. But, hey, uh, listen, compared to most 60-year-olds wrestlers that I've seen on these shows, he looks... I mean, him and Goldberg probably don't... I mean, Goldberg is old, but, like, especially with the gray. I don't know. He just... If you told me, like, that he was 50, I would believe you. I, I understand with the whole hair thing, but he, his hair actually looks better here than it did in WWE when he looked like fucking Doc Brown from Back to the Future if he put his <laughs> finger in, a, in, a, in a, like, a light circuit or something. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean... WrestleMania, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So back to what we were saying. If it's a tag team match, I guess I'll be fine with it. But, I mean, I really don't have any interest in seeing him wrestle again. So we'll see what happens. But like you said, I think this fell flat because they teased it. Kind of like the Omega interview. They like, teased there's going to be this big thing. And there's like a lot of a lot of substance, but nothing really there. It was like feeding me a ton of rice, but like left the chicken off the plate. Yeah, no, I, I get that. So my thing with this, and with the, and not even really with the Omega stuff. The Omega stuff was fine. We'll get to that in a moment. Because yeah. the Omega stuff... I enjoyed. I think the problem with the Omega promo on this show, if you watched Impact, which I know you didn't. Oh no, you watched I you watched the Omega, Omega stuff. stuff. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I corrected myself. I said I forgot you watched the Omega stuff. You didn't watch Cody Dina versus Eric Young, but you did watch the main event uh, promo with Omega. So they repeated everything they said on Impact. I mean, did you notice that? It was, like, all the same stuff. Like, I thought Callus got a great promo both times, but it was the same promo. And Omega yeah. was like, oh, do the thing, do the thing, do the thing. I'm like, okay, he does the thing. He did it on Tuesday. Cool. What's the announcement? Because it, it, was it just me? Or did they, like, make some sort of indication or announcement that they would be making another announcement on Dynamite, and they just never did? It was just a promo, and then that was it. Well, yeah, that's what they said on Tuesday. It was basically the same thing they said on Tuesday night. Yep. And then... She was gonna, she was like, oh, wait till AEW tomorrow night. We got that big announcement. So it was like basically like playing AEW as well, and then they didn't do anything. No, it was the same thing. It just wash, rinse, wash, rinse, and repeat. Yeah, so that's why I thought it was the same. Th- like it was not that it was worse, but it was just like at least I don't know. Like you can't like I feel like they're trying to like make you like not like Omega. They're gonna keep pumping up this big announcement. They keep gonna leave you like leave you at the altar. But I mean, I just don't care at this point. I mean, like. I don't know, like, what they do, like, I think what they're trying to do is, like, make Omega as, like, that, like, narcissistic, like, annoying heel, because, like, they keep teasing to make this big announcement, he does, and then he did the stupid, whatever the fuck, like, the finger pointing, I don't even know what the fuck he said, his stupid catchphrase. Yeah, the good night and farewell, yeah, I do, yeah, whatever, stupid, bang. stupid, but like I said, I thought <laughs> it was dumb, because they basically, the same problem they did on Impact, they teased his announcement, didn't do it, and they're just like, 
I thought Moxley would come out maybe. Like, I don't know. I thought there'd be a little bit more than just them. Like you said, Callis had a decent promo or whatever. I just, I thought both of the, the big pumped up interviews felt completely flat on my end. So I love the Omega Callus pairing. I do think that has a lot of potential because Omega is not a great talker. I can't say at all because he's not terrible, but he's not that good. He's like the Bucks, where the Bucks aren't great. I mean, they're even worse. The Bucks are just not that good at all. They should pair him with Callus, the Bucks. <laughs> they just do one major. Honestly, they might even do that. They might just do the elite with just with heels. Um, I mean, Cody can talk, but the other two, I mean, Omega and the Bucks can't. But I love the pairing. I think it's great. My question for you is this. This relates to the Sting segment. This relates to this segment. It relates to the Shaq segment. I mentioned at the start of the show that this was one of the most heavily hyped episodes of Dynamite in some time. We will find out in a couple of hours whether it paid off and it got over a million viewers. I mean, again, it's going to be old news by the time this episode comes out because we'll already know by that point. They hyped this up to be a major show, as they should have coming off of the buzz from last week. I was very excited for Dynamite, so I watched the first, blah, blah, blah. Let me ask you this, though. What we saw on this show between all three of those segments, that specifically the Sting, Shaq, and um, Omega stuff, with not, I mean, obviously you and I will continue to watch. Everyone else, though, like for new viewers, oh my God, Sting's going to be on the show. Do you think this stuff was compelling enough to make them want to continue to tune in? Because I feel like they just won't sustain any bump that they get today in the ratings. I don't think will be sustained at all coming off. I just don't think this was as hot of a follow-up show as it probably should have been. No, I completely agree. I said that. Or I said a little earlier on. I, I think. I think when you mentioned it earlier, saying like, do you think they'll they'll push a million viewers? I said maybe this week. So I think they hyped it up a lot. And like I said, they have Omega, um, who's pretty big. Um, Shaq, obviously, is a fucking well-known basketball player, like one of the best known in the world. And then you have the Sting comebacks. I mean, that you always. With, this, with that kind of stuff, you'll always get that audience back just a little bit, like when they have Goldberg back. They'll pull some viewers just to see what's going on. But what happened last night and the way that they kind of followed up these big moments or big talking points, I just felt like all three of them felt completely flat. I just, as, we're like you said, we're, we will be watching it, but I just don't think if someone's like, oh, Sting's back, and they saw what happened last night, they're not going to be like, oh, like there's nothing. like Exactly. Nothing Nothing was actually said that, like, makes you want to watch it again. It's just like him, like, oh, I'm not coming for you, big fella. And, like, they kind of teased him and Darby. But, like, that was it. And then, like, he was more he was more worried about grab-assing with Tony than actually doing anything of substance. So, <laughs> grab-assing. Like, people were like, oh, I thought Shaq was great. I mean, he didn't really do much. He just kind of hyped the Jade and Brandy match. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought... They've done this a lot, too. I feel like they, every time they have a big moment or something big happening, I feel like they just never fall up on it correctly. Like, the Pac stuff. Like, Pac come back. Oh, my God. And then, like, the next week, he, like, beat, like, fucking 20 minutes to beat the Blade or Butcher. And then he's not even on TV anymore, so. That's that's what I'm saying, dude. I think, I think, so the problem isn't, they hyped it well enough in advance. The problem is the follow-up. We talk about this all the time with WWE. Can they sustain that excitement and carry you on to the next week? I'm not saying they're going to announce Sting versus Darby Allin next week on the show. But, like, I don't have the card in front of me. When they were running down the card for next week, they they run down the card every week for next week, which I love. I think that's a great idea. And honestly, I think that's a big reason why a lot of people tune into Dynamite over NXT. Because NXT, they either announce matches hours in advance on fucking Twitter... Or they just don't announce anything at all, which I think is a, is a problem. And WWE is notorious for that. AEW, they announce everything a week in advance. They did that here. I don't know if you saw it, but I'm looking at the card for next week, and I'm like, 
I'm watching NXT next week first. I mean, they had fucking... What was it? Oh, God. I mean, I know we, we the 14-man tag team match, that wasn't even announced until after the show, with, like, Inner Circle versus all these losers from Dark, for the most part. Um, you know, I, I like the acclaimed in SCU, but I think that's the only match I can remember that I'm like, oh, man, I gotta watch that. Like, they were doing a lot of random shit. Like, I mean, can you look up the card for next week? I don't know where to find it, but, like... They announced a bunch of random stuff. Like, last week when they announced Dustin Rhodes versus Preston Vance for this week, I'm like, dude, okay, listen, I know you like advertising everything in advance. You don't need to advertise that, because who gives a fuck? Like, really, who cares? Oh, I know they announced um Hangman and Dark Order versus the Hardy Party or whatever it is. I don't know. I just I just, I just don't care, you know? So. Yeah, I, I just, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to look up the card. I'm trying to see. I mean, I know they did definitely tease stuff. I just, I mean, like you said, after a show that they're supposed to pipe, like, they're pumping up, I just don't think next week's cards, you know, like, as a person, you're just going to be like, oh, my God, I got to see it. Okay, what the fuck? It says show preview for next week, but I have nothing on here. But, no, I remember they said the Hardy Party stuff. Um, uh, what else did they say? Let's see. Let's see if I jump on Twitter. Yeah, I'll go to right. a- I'm going to go to AEW's Twitter real quick. It was just matches that I'm like, I mean, is this – I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm going to watch NXT next week. I just don't really – I just don't really care that much. 14-man tag, you said. Um, what else did they announce? They didn't announce a Sting appearance. They just said, um, like, Moxley wasn't advertised. I just It wasn't anything major, let's put it that way. Anything major that I really give a shit about. Um, I don't see anything. I mean, I'm doing a quick look. I don't see anything on the Twitter, but they definitely hyped. Oh, uh, no, that was the last night. I was going to say, yeah, I <laughs> and the Young Bucks. That was last night. Yeah, I mean, I know for a fact they definitely tease stuff, but I just don't remember what it was. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. So it's it just it's just they should have advertised more or just more exciting stuff because I'm I'm very interested to see what the ratings are today and more importantly next week because I think like for like last week for example they have a great show and then they hype up all this stuff for next week. Perfect, perfect. Can they sustain it for more than a week or two? That's the question. I don't think they'll be able to, but I, I, I don't know. I thought this was a mixed bag of a show. I mean, real quickly, the Orange Cassidy MJF stuff, I just I just didn't care. It's a fucking ring, dude. Like, who cares? Yeah, I mean... It's a pointless yeah. prop. I mean, has it really made a difference in the last year? No. I mean, I forgot he even had it. Yeah, I mean, he used it at first a lot. I feel like... He did. He used it a lot, and then ever since the whole Cody feud, it just kind of fell by the wayside. No, definitely. So, MJF held on to the ring after Miro got involved. I know you're super looking forward to Miro and um, Orange Cassidy, right? I, I can't wait. I can't wait for Orange Cassidy. I have to beat Jericho twice. to lose every match after that. Oh, actually, beat John Silver, so that's a big win. Uh, <laughs> I lose to Miro, so it's not like, that was just a complete... I don't know if they just... Maybe they thought it was going to make him bigger than it was, and it just fell flat, and now they're just like, whatever with the guy. But after those two big wins, you'd think they'd do something more with the guy, and he's just is fell it, flat. Is it like a buyer's remorse type of thing? Because like he failed to win the TNT title three consecutive times. He failed to beat Cody twice. It was a draw, and then he got pinned by Cody. He lost to Lance Archer. Not Lance Archer. He lost to a Brody Lee, who isn't even on the show right now. So, I mean, how much of a... I mean, what a waste. Um, he hasn't been on the show in months. And now he just lost to MJF. I'm not even saying that he should have won here, because I would probably complain that even if he won, just because I don't think the ring fits him at all. But, like, then why even put him in that scenario? Why did they even have him in the match? Why wasn't it just MJF and, like, Sammy or something? Wouldn't that have not made more sense? I mean, they also basically teased that the Tiber 2 were 
in the theory, they make a stipulation if they beat him, they're going to get a title match. You think they're going to win, and then they fucking lost. So that didn't make much sense. Maybe after that terrible backstage brawl last week, they got Byers remorse on Tiber 2, and they're going to push him back to <laughs> dark. Oh, my God. They re-showed that punch last night from Angelico. Woo! That was tough. <laughs> and like I said, that match, they kept saying, oh, my God, a hard-hitting affair. It just seemed like the whole match, the Young Bucks were just kicking their ass. If you had to, like, watch second-by-second and minute-by-minute, I think the Young Bucks got 90% offense, and the very end, the Hybrid 2 got a little bit of offense, and then they lost, which I was like, I just, when you make a stipulation like, if you win, you'll get a title match, I thought like someone would interfere and they beat the Bucks. Nope, they fucking lose, and now they're on to the next one, because there's no reason to give them a rematch. Yeah, I don't know. I, I enjoyed the match. I thought it was the best Hybrid 2 match they've had in the company, but, yeah, it's not saying uh, if, you're like, if you like gymnastic meets, then yeah, you probably like them. <laughs> I like the match. I just don't think... Uh, I mean, it was the best match they've had just because they haven't had many other matches at all. Like, the FTR match they had wasn't very good. I thought that was kind of awkward a couple of months ago. But, uh, you know, I enjoyed it for what it was. But that, that's probably it for Hybrid 2. They're, they're moving on to the next tag team. So, we'll close off with Raw for Monday real quick. There really isn't a lot Woo! to say because it's the same stuff every single week. Um, Love Raw, baby. Again, it wasn't a completely terrible show because I thought there were some decent stuff. Like, the handicap match was whatever. I mean, Styles and Miz and Morrison got their asses handed to them for, like, 15 minutes before <laughs> before Sheamus accidentally broke-kicked McIntyre. And then AJ hit the phenomenal forearm on Sheamus, and then it was over. So the match was a complete afterthought. And then Sheamus and Drew beat the shit out of each other and then put Pat, put Pat Buck through a table. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we're fine now, which I understand they're playing out the whole brother thing. But then Drew said later on, oh, yeah, I knew it was an accident. Then why did you fight him backstage? Like, I don't gotta know. Get shot back. He's got to get that shot back. I guess. I don't know. It's just weird. I don't know. I just feel like they should be focusing a lot more on the fact that we're getting McIntyre and Styles for the first time at TLC, as opposed to the silliness with The Miz, which means nothing. And, um... The Sheamus and McIntyre stuff is great, but it's it's the the Styles and McIntyre feud for now feels like an afterthought because of that. But we're not getting that till the Rumble, so I don't know. But anyway, um, yeah, we had Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton in the main event. I thought it was fine. It wasn't completely terrible. And then the Fiend attacked Orton, so I I like that. Um, Bobby Lashley and Jeff Hardy had a good match. I enjoyed that for what it was. Uh, the Hurt Business, New Day stuff. We are getting. It was just announced today. Actually, we're getting New Day versus Hurt Business again. For the Raw Tag Team titles of TLC, I would put a Stipperoo on there just because we've seen the match already three times. I'd probably make it a ladder match or something, but that's just me. Um, Ricochet and Dana Brooke versus Retribution, and they fucking won. I mean, dude, who gives a fuck? Who cares? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. When, when Dana Brooke pins Mia Yim, you know your career. When you get pinned by Dana Brooke, you know your career is over. <laughs> uh, and that's not, you don't know, when you get pinned by Lana. You know, you're yeah, Shayna Baszler lost to Oscar this week in like five minutes in match. I could not give two shits about. Ugh, just, I just, it's tough. It's Raw tough. Is so hard to watch at this point. The three hours are just, I just, I, every time I watch the show now, I'm just like, who the hell books this shit? Like, who in the <laughs> right mind thinks this is a good idea? And it's just, it, I, I say this every week. I just, and I watch SmackDown now regularly, and I enjoy SmackDown every week, but like, Raw just. It can't just be the third hour, because people are like, oh, the third hour. No, because everything on this show looks like it's booked by a freaking moron. There's just so much going on. Like, I've liked the Bray and... Like, the only thing I really have cared about lately is the Bray and Randy Orton stuff. Like, they've done great. I thought the main event, for what it was, was fine. 
like the ending sequence and he started off raw on a good note. I thought, I just feel like everything in between just seems like it's just, it just seems like it's so just random. Two weeks ago, or a couple months ago, Ricochet couldn't even get on TV and then he starts losing. Now all of a sudden he's in this big win streak, beating a bunch of losers anyway, so it doesn't yeah. like it really. I don't Watch. think it's really much of a win streak considering he lost to Ali a couple of months ago or a couple of weeks ago. Then he lost to, uh, let me check my notes here, fucking Slapjack <laughs> Thorn from NXT. So I don't know if I would call it much of a win streak. But I just, I don't know. I just think the show is just so random. It's just such a bad show. It's such a bad show. Like, there's some weeks that are more bearable than others, but it also seems like rematch. Like, I like New Day and her business, but we've seen it a thousand times at this point. Like, will the Hurt Business probably win? Probably, but then what do you do there? There's no other teams. The show is just a fucking mess. Like, Asuka and Lana, no thank you. Like, oh, they're facing Brooke and uh, Shayna and fucking Nia at TLC. Like, who gives a shit? Like, what, did they win the belts? Whee! <laughs> I, yeah. I just, Raw is like a fucking chore now to watch. I'm sorry. I just feel like they use the same people, and then there's people who aren't even on the show. You know, like, we get the same stuff with Asuka, Lana, Shayna, and Nia every single week. Asuka and Shayna at one point was like, oh, man, like, the clashing of the two former most dominant NXT Women's Champions of all time, and now neither woman has never been less in this company's history. <laughs> it's just, like I said, I just don't get it. They uh, they just had the draft, too, is the worst part. They just had the fucking they draft. They just had the draft, and yeah. Just, like, switch it up a little bit, maybe put more people on TV. No, like, it's like that the same people every week and it's not interesting at all it's just not interesting and like this was another thing i didn't really understand so you didn't see the keith lee 24 did you no i did not see it yet no yeah so definitely check it out it was really good um they put that up on sunday they hyped it up big 24 got a lot of good feedback the guy's not even on raw i mean how does that even how does that happen (laughs) i mean he was (laughs) he was on the uh survivor series team so like Technically. No, I know, but like, okay, was there a segment that I just missed? Because I skipped, okay. I watched the show at, I think I started at 10.30, okay? I started at 10.30 on Monday. I think think we were playing like SVR or something like that, Alexis and I and her brother. So we were were playing the game. We started at 10.30. Got done with it by 12. And that's even with, like, I watch all the matches. I skipped through all the entrances, the recaps. The pro, like the, the the pointless like advertisement promos. I mean, not the backstage promos. I watched that shit. Unless there was something backstage that I missed that I think he encountered Sheamus. I saw someone say. Other than that, I don't think he was on the show at all. Which to me makes absolutely no fucking sense if you're trying to promote a documentary involving the guy. That's like if they did the Chronicle on Lana, and then she's not even at Survivor Series. Like I don't give a shit about Lana, but it just makes sense. I don't know. I just thought that was really bizarre. Yeah, I mean, I I did a lot of fast forward in this week, so I mean, I could have I could have. It could have been a skip and miss the kind of scene with him. I don't remember seeing Keith Lee at all. Like you said, he might have been on the show. Maybe I skipped it, but yeah, I just, I don't know. Tough. Dropped, I don't know. I don't, the they dropped the ball with him, fortunately. Yeah, I mean, he's not completely dead in the water. He, You know, they could be doing more with him, but I don't know. I just, Bobby I, even on the show? Bobby? Yeah. Bobby Lashley faced Jeff Hardy. <laughs> Must have fast forward through that one. I don't even remember. They that. actually had a good match. I that was one of my that was one of the better parts of the show for me. I actually enjoyed that for what it was. Um, yeah, no, he was on the show. I thought they would do Keith and Bobby because Keith beat him by DQ, but I, I guess they're moving on to Riddle because he had the bro nuts. What the, he gave he gave the herp in his bro nuts. I, I guess. Yeah. So. <laughs> Talk about terrible! Oh my god, dude. 
I I mean, I've never been his biggest fan, so like. I know, nah, but do you th- have they nah. killed a character quicker than fucking Riddle between chopping off his first name and giving him this dumb bro shit? I mean, I mean, he was already doing the bro stuff, but now it's just, they're shoving it down your fucking throat, and the bro nuts are t- that was terrible. <laughs> I've never been his biggest fan, so this stuff like I just laugh now because I'm just like, I I mean, he's fine for what he is, but the whole bro shit is kind of annoying. Now that they've like they've been over the top with it on Rockhawk. I'm just like, don't give a shit at this point. Every time I see him, I'm just like, fast forward, because I knew he was going to cut some dumb, like, high hippie bro fucking promo, which probably isn't, I mean, that they're definitely feeding him this shit, because it's fucking terrible. But I mean, it's just, it's a quick fast forward every time. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a tough watch. And the thing is, is I'm actually looking forward to TLC. I don't give a fuck about Lana and Asuka versus Shayna and Nia, which surprisingly, as of right now, does not have a table stipulation, which makes, I mean, how can... It's TLC, and they've been doing tables for, like, three months now. How do you not make it a tables match? But, at any rate, I'm looking forward to that show. They have Owens and Reigns uh, for in a TLC match for the title, for the Universal title. McIntyre, AJ, TLC match for the WWE Championship. Like I said, they already announced New Day and Hurt Business again for the Raw Tag Team titles of the pay-per-view. Um, what other match? I think they announced a couple more matches for the pay-per-view. I can't think. There's, there's definitely at least another match or two. Yeah, your 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 guess is better than mine. I I don't I can't recall. Yeah, maybe it was one from SmackDown. Oh, the, Sasha Banks and Carmella. I know that they're doing that for What's the SmackDown. What's that? Chairs match? No, that's just the regular match. It might become a chairs match considering. Uh, uh they haven't really used chairs at all, so that would that'd be funny. Honestly, I hope it's a stairs match. Oh my god, don't even get me started on that. Hopefully, Eric comes back and gets that big win over Big Show. That yeah, wait, 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 when's that big win coming? Because I'm still waiting for it. <laughs> I will There's never forget. Playing the fame, everyone like, oh, don't worry, he's gonna get that big one back. Never, dude. Won. I got buried on Twitter when I said, "Why would the fuck would you have Big Show beat Eric Rowan?" And listen, I am wrong a lot of the time, but I take a lot of pride in the fact that I was right that one time when I was like, "Listen, what are you people talking about?" Because I got so many tweets. I, I tweeted that night at DLC. Why would you have Eric Rowan lose? I mean, it, not that he was this future world champion, but like he actually had momentum, and he was kind of getting over, and then he lost a Big Show. People are like, oh, he'll get that win back, you idiot. Like, why would you even... Well, I mean, come on, long-term storytelling. You people complain about long-term storytelling, and this is it. I'm like, okay, let's, I'll wait and see, I guess. They, they did do a rematch the next night, and Big Show won that too. He pinned him clean. I'm like... <laughs> you know what I mean? He literally got buried under the steel steps almost as badly as Bray Wyatt did when he faced John Cena in that last man's Danny match. And he literally got buried under a bunch of steel steps. Do you remember that? Just like when Wade Bear got buried under the chair from... Uh... <laughs> also a TLC. It's a TLC tradition. He was getting buried this year. Oh, God, that's so funny. Yeah. Oh, my I'm God. Just... How about this? What about the, we're doing The Fiend and Randy Orton this week, uh, this year at TLC? It has no stipperoo as of right now. What if they make that a chairs match and Orton does the same thing to, to The Fiend that Cena did to Barrett, and he'll just bury him under the chairs, and we never see Bray Wyatt again after. I mean, he buried him at WrestleMania 33, so why not? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just... Um, I just think Raw at this point, like I said, it's a fucking chore to watch Raw now. I, I watch SmackDown now regularly. I think it's just a lot easier show to get through. It is. I mean, it's not perfect by all means, but a lot of, like, the Uso and Reign stuff I've liked. Uh, Owens being in a, I like that stuff. The Sasha Carmella, it's different, something entertaining. Bailey like, and Bay- Bianca, too. I mean, Bailey's getting buried, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bailey losing Italian was is rough, dude. 
Yeah, I just I don't really see what. Did like. you did you know that Bailey? You, you're not gonna believe this. Did you know that that Bailey has not won a singles? She hasn't won at all, really, but not even a singles match since SummerSlam in August. She has lost her last nine matches, televised matches on the main roster. Yeah, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> for someone that was champion for like a year and a half. She had the championship for over a year, so I mean, it only makes sense that it's better now. But yeah, I mean, she was getting buried think... when she was champion too. She lost all those matches. No, I mean, she. I, mean, I thought she was a good champion. No, no, no. I thought she was too. But I'm saying that she lost the title in October. She hasn't won since August. How does that even make sense? How did she win? It? Or what she win at like DQ at Night of Champions? She lost by DQ. She remember she faced Oscar in that impromptu match because Oscar came out because Nikki Cross wasn't there. So Oscar beat her by DQ. So she beat her there. They lost the tag titles with Payback. They lost the rematch for the tag titles to Shayna and Nia. So she lost that match. She lost by DQ to Sasha on SmackDown. She lost at Hell in the Cell. She lost on SmackDown um, in the rematch to Sasha before Survivor Series. She lost to Natalya last week. And she lost at Survivor Series itself when your favorite moment when Peyton Royce been Bailey, And then there was zero follow-up. And we haven't seen Peyton Royce since then. Oh, God. It's just... <laughs> You'd think after that long reign, after she's done with Sasha, she'd, like, start winning again, and then, like, maybe Bianca beat her and be, like, a nice rub. But exactly. When you're, but when you're tapping out to Natalia on SmackDown in five minutes, yeah, you don't really mean shit at this point. I, I gotta give credit where it's, I mean, again, I, I gotta, you know, say, call a spade a spade here in that. SmackDown is a better show than Raw at this point, but they still do a lot of dumb shit, and that's one of them. Like, that just makes absolutely no sense. Like, where's Aleister Black right now? Lars Sullivan is falling no? off the face of the earth again. Yeah, exactly. Um, Biggie, they're getting back on the show finally, but man, it is, it is fucking rough. But anyway, so we are looking forward to TLC, at least I am, portions of it, uh, come next Sunday. We are going to do a preview prediction show next week here on WrestleRant Radio, in addition to breaking down NXT, Dynamite, Monday Night Raw, and everything else from the world in wrestling. Once again, guys, be sure to vote in the 2020 WWE slash NXT slash AEW year and review awards on WrestleRant.com. It's going to be big. We're breaking down the results three weeks' time here on WrestleRant Radio for the New Year's Eve. Not New Year's Evil. That's NXT. The New Year's Eve episode of the show on December 31st. Uh, find Mr. Marceau on the Twitter machine, um, at Mr. Marceau, at RJ, underscore Marceau, rather. My bad. And myself, at WrestleRant. Find the show on Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play. We're all over the place. Find the show, rate the show, subscribe to the show, and never miss an episode every single day. Thursday. Mr. Marcel, this has been great. Any closing thoughts as we ride off into the sunset here? Uh, don't watch Raw. It sucks. <laughs> That's my one word of advice for anyone. Raw is so bad. I know we have our, we have our qualms about, you know, AEW and SmackDown and even NXT as well, but Raw is almost, it's almost indefensible. Like, I had people, real quickly, I, don't, I, I think you saw the tweets. I think you liked them. I'm not sure, but I tweeted the uh, Scott Demore on Monday, or maybe it was Tuesday, uh, when he was like, "Oh, you know, at least we have back-to-back weeks of wrestling, or back-to-back nights of great wrestling between Impact and Dynamite." Blah blah blah. After that rotten Monday, and I'm like, "Listen, Ross sucks." But I tweeted this, and I'm like, "Dude, wasn't it your show that got fucking killed in the rating ten years ago against Raw?" Like, I know they weren't in charge at that point, but that's such a dumb thing to say. I hate the whole fucking, like, oh, fuck that mentality. Like, we, we, I could say shit. I don't run these companies. But, like, if Tony Khan was saying, like, fuck WWE or vice versa, WWE doesn't give a shit about any of these people. So why even bother? You know what I mean? I just think that's so stupid. 
Yeah, I just, I mean, Raw is fucking. It is bad, but like, like people are like, oh, you know, Raw, is, it's a pretty bad show now. I mean, their ratings now are ten times what they are now. No fucking shit. But I'm talking about ten years ago. They had their ratings killed, killed by WWE, and not even that. People talking about, oh, Raw, the quality now is bad. Yeah, Impact's probably better, but where the fuck are they on Twitch? I mean, that's how bad it's gone for Impact in the last 10 years. So before you start throwing, you know, stones at, at, a, at a glass house or whatever the fuck the expression is, probably check yourself before you wreck yourself or whatever. Again, whatever the expression is. <laughs> love it, love it. Yeah, it's, a, it's like don't throw rocks at... I don't know what the saying is. Don't, don't, don't be throwing rocks if you live in a, in a glass house or something. Or if you live in a... I don't know. we got to look it up before... Uh... We'll look it up and we'll discuss and be attacked. But yeah, I think <laughs> that's what it is. I think it's don't throw rocks if you live in a glass house. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think it is. Rock right through your house, yeah. Exactly. That would that would make sense. So on that note, we're going to wrap it up. Perfect note to end it up on uh, to wrap this show out on. So we will be back again next week breaking down TLC Raw, NXT Dynamite, and so much more here on the show. Mr. Marceau, great time as always. I'll catch your ass down the road, brother. Later.